Hello and, and welcome to the fifth and final message of our, our series that we've called Indescribable, uh, which is all about the extraordinary grace of God. Um, so I want to invite you to pray with me uh, as we finish uh, this series this, this morning. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the fullness of your grace. And though it's indescribable, Lord, we pray that you would lead us into deeper understanding, but not just understanding, into deeper experience of your grace. By the power of your Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. And so I want to conclude our our, our time this morning in this series uh, of talking about God's extraordinary grace by asking you the question, are you living in freedom? This morning, I've entitled this message, Free Indeed, and I want to ask, I want you to ask yourselves, are you living in freedom? Because the new covenant of grace is a covenant of freedom. God's grace through Jesus Christ makes us free. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus stood in the synagogue and he he quoted from the prophet Isaiah and and he claimed that, that this... Uh, reading was about his mission in the world. And in Luke 4.18, he he says that that part of that mission, key to that mission was proclaiming freedom for captives, ushering in freedom or, or release for the oppressed. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In John 8.32, Jesus says, Then you will know the truth, which he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 8.36, following on from, from a discussion with the Pharisees that claimed that they were already free, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The, the Greek word here for indeed is ontos, which means really, truly, and actually And so the question I want us to to ask as we explore uh, the freedom that comes in God's grace this morning is, are you really, truly, and actually living in freedom? The reality is, as humans, we, we struggle to live in the fullness of the freedom that God has won for us through Jesus' death and resurrection. We keep creeping back into different types of slavery. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul, in, in this letter, he writes to the Galatian church about their struggle to live in the freedom that they have through faith in Jesus. Uh, he writes this in Galatians 2, chapter 4. He says, This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We struggle to live in freedom because the thing is that those who are living in slavery, those who are enslaved to either legalism or, or religiousness, are offended by those who live in freedom. And, and so those who live in slavery will seek to, to pull those in freedom back into slavery. But we don't just struggle because of outside influence. In, in a few verses later in, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, 
Paul says this, he says, Formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to these weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And so the thing is, though we've been set free by Jesus, we've been set truly, actually, and really free by Jesus through his grace available to us. It's human nature that we keep turning back to slavery. We, we struggle to live in freedom. One of the, the greatest contemporary pictures uh, that I've seen of, of, of that illustrates our struggle to live in freedom comes from the movie Shawshank Redemption. And, and so this, this movie centers around a character who's been wrongly imprisoned and uh, eventually escapes and, and wins his freedom. But in the midst of that story is the story of a man named Briggs who's lived his entire life in captivity. And and towards the end of the movie, this character Briggs has served his time and he's released into freedom in the community. And the story kind of chronicles some of his struggling attempts to live outside the bars of prison. And, and, and ultimately his story ends in, in the saddest scene in the movie when he takes his own life. Because he was safe and secure and his life was structured in imprisonment but once he'd found freedom he longed for the slavery this is the story of 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 ancient israel when they were set free from egypt not long into their journey in the desert they they started to cry out and complain and say that they were better off as slaves in egypt this is the story of humanity. We we keep getting drawn back into slavery. Now, the kind of slavery I'm talking about today takes takes many forms. Yeah, there's many forms of slavery that are not literal slavery, but are effective slavery that we keep falling back into the trap of, even after we've been set free from God's from slavery through God's grace. And so today, though there are many different forms of slavery, I want to highlight three key areas of slavery that God's grace sets us free from. These three key areas are firstly slavery to the law, slavery to, to sin and, and our selfish desires, and, and lastly slavery to fear and to anxiety. But before we begin to explore these three different kinds of slavery and how God's grace has set us free, I just want to encourage us with one verse from Galatians, from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And so it is for freedom and the experience of freedom that Christ has set us free. And so today I, I want us to have that, that passage in mind as we explore the question, are we really truly and actually free? Is that it's for freedom and the experience of freedom and the life of freedom that Jesus has set us free. And, and he calls us through his word to stand firm in that freedom. 
And so the first kind of freedom, as I said, I want to talk about is that we've been set free from slavery to the law. And so in Galatians chapter 3, in, in this letter about struggling to live in the freedom that, that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, in Galatians chapter 3, 23 and 24, Paul says to the church there, before this faith came, that's this faith, this relationship with God through grace, we were held prisoners, prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And so Paul talks about being held prisoner by the law, being held captive by the law, being held in slavery or guardianship by the law. And so, so the, the crux of this is that under the law, we are not free. And, and he binds that together here with, with using a metaphor of immaturity for what it looks like to be in slavery under the law. And so a child needs a guardian to protect them. And so whether we have our own children or not, or whether we're at the stage of having grandchildren, we we understand that as a child's maturity increases, the level of guardianship and control that comes from outside of their own um, head (laughs) needs to decrease or may decrease. And so when children are very young, they need more guardianship, more control, more limits placed around them. That's why we have a fence around the veranda area of our church with gates on it so that children can't go out the front door and straight onto the road. But by the time our children are adults, we hope that uh, the fence isn't needed anymore, though it'll still be there for the next generation, but, but that those children no longer need the fence because they know that it's dangerous to run on the road and their control will come from within them. And so as maturity increases, people move from external means of control for their behavior to internal means of control. And so Paul says that this law, the, the Jewish law, has held us as, as humanity captive until faith came. And, and, and I believe he has more than just the Jewish law in view here. See, the Galatians were not Jewish or under the Jewish law, but Paul still speaks to them in this way. And to confirm this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, So also, speaking to the Galatian church, these Gentiles, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. And so... Paul is speaking about weak and miserable basic elemental principles. He's talking about all systems of external behavior control here. And so in view is the Jewish law, but in view here is all forms of moral code that are outside of ourselves that govern our behavior. These are in place to, to keep us in essence on the straight and narrow until, Paul says, faith has come and in Galatians 3:25 he says now that faith has come we are no longer under the supervision of the law in the next chapter over a few verses in verse 4 and 5 of Galatians 4:5 he says but when the time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under law to redeem those under the law that we might receive full rights as sons And so we are no longer under the guardianship of the law, 
but we receive full rights. Full rights as, as sons in God's household. This means that the the focus of our the control of our behavior moves from outside of ourselves from from Jewish law from biblical law to any moral code to within us because we're no longer under slavery or guardianship to any law in 2 Timothy 1:7 Paul says that we've not been given a spirit of fear but we've been given a spirit of power love and self-control the shift that happens under grace is from slavery to external moral codes to internal Holy Spirit-led self-control. And so under grace, Paul says that we are free from slavery to the law. Because the law has power only to enslave and condemn, not to set us free. And and so to live in freedom requires us to have self-control. But we also have been given a spirit of power and love and self-control. Just as in Jeremiah, God said through the prophet that the the law would be written on our hearts. It would be an internal-led thing. We are no longer under slavery to law or any moral code, but we are set free to be self-controlled, to be mature. And so firstly, under grace, we've been set free from slavery to the law. And the common uh, critique of of Paul's position in the Scriptures and the critique that I've had when I've spoken about grace sometimes in the past is, well, then we should just go on living selfish, sinful lives then if we're set free from law. But the truth is that grace has set us free from slavery to sin and to the flesh as well. We're not just set free from the law and slavery to it. We're set free from slavery to sin and to our own flesh or selfish desires. See, in Galatians 3.22, Paul says, But the Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And so Paul is saying that we are held prisoners not just to the law but to sin. To flip out of Galatians for a moment into Paul's letter to the Romans, into Romans chapter 6, verses 17 to 18, Paul says this. Sorry, Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, he says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And here he's talking about the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. And then so in verse 18 he goes on to say, You have been set free from sin. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And so if our response to freedom is to engage in sin or even selfish behavior, then we are not truly free. We are still living in slavery to sin. Let me say that again. If our response to freedom is to engage in sin or even selfish behavior, then we are not truly free. We are still slaves to sin. 
So if we're struggling with sin, we don't need more religion, more legalism, more Phariseeism, more slavery to the law. We need to encounter and experience and be shaped more by God's grace. See, law causes sin to increase, but by God's grace, we are set free from slavery to sin. More than that, we are set free from slavery to our very own flesh. In Galatians 5.13, jumping back into that letter, this this letter that's all about being under grace and, and the battle to live in freedom. Paul says this in Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. Now you may, if you've been a part of this church for a while, you 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 may have heard me say before that that the Greek word here for sinful nature is actually flesh, or in the Greek sarks. And so, sinful nature is not an incorrect translation, but it narrows the focus here. Paul isn't just talking about not using our own freedom to indulge in sin; he's talking about not using our our freedom to indulge our own flesh. That is, that he's saying our freedom's not meant to be something that's focused on our own desires, our own cravings, our own needs. A, a form of freedom that puts me first is not really freedom at all. It's slavery to myself, to my own flesh. It's not true freedom. And so just as if if our response to freedom is um, to sin, then we're not really free. If our response to, to freedom is to indulge in selfishness, self-focused behavior, then we're not really free either. In Galatians chapter 5, 24 to 25, a few verses down, Paul goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, it says in the NIV, but the Greek word is flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, true freedom is having our own desires and passions nailed to the cross and being set free from slavery to them. Grace does not set us free to sin. It sets us free from sin. Grace does not set us free to indulge our own flesh. It sets us free from slavery to our own flesh. We are set free not to sin, but from sin. We are set free not to be selfish, but from selfishness. And so the ultimate expression of freedom is serving one another in love. As Paul said, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. And so it's my belief that the cross of Jesus is the ultimate expression of freedom. That which we might think looks like a, as, as far from freedom as a person can be is the, in fact the ultimate expression of freedom. Jesus was not bound by slavery to the to the law because because he completely fulfilled the law. Jesus was not bound by slavery to sin because he was completely without sin and and because of that Jesus was not bound by any obligation to even die yet he submitted himself to death 
on the cross for the sake of others. And thus, I believe that that ultimate act of service is the ultimate expression of freedom. And so for us, we have that example of, of Jesus, of, of demonstrating what it looks like to be truly, really, and actually free. So free from sin, so free from selfish desires that he can fully give himself for the sake of others. And so if we're struggling with some area of sin, if we're struggling with some area of selfish in our life, we, we need simply to encounter more of God's grace, not more of the law. We need to experience more of God's grace, not experience more of religion. Because God's grace sets us free from slavery to sin and to flesh, to our selfish desires. God's grace sets us free from the law. And, and finally, I want to talk about God's grace setting us free from slavery to fear. Because slavery to fear cripples so many of us. All different kinds of fears cripple so many of us in the church. We, we fear what other people think. We fear failure. We, we fear fear itself. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of all kinds of different things that we might imagine in our minds. And, we, and we're so often filled with fear and anxiety. But God's grace has been given to set us free from slavery to fear. As I uh, mentioned earlier in 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul writing to uh, Timothy, who he'd released to, to pastor the church in Ephesus, he, he says to Timothy, the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity, or we could translate that fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. We've not been given a spirit of fear. In in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 18, John has this to say. He says, There is no fear in love. And this is the same letter that, that John describes God as love. God is love. And so he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so this isn't a guilt trip or a condemnation that if we have fear and anxiety in our life that we should feel guilty in some sense. That's just fear and anxiety speaking. But, but John is saying that if we have fear and anxiety in life, then there's more to grow in God's love and grace. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, uh, which will be recognizable verses for many of us, Paul says this to the church in Philippi. He says, um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, Do not be anxious, or we could say fearful about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so God says that if if we if we submit all things to him, then he himself will guard our hearts with his peace. In other words, he'll set us free from fear and anxiety. And so as we grow in God's grace, we grow in the experience of courage, not fear, of 
peace, not anxiety, God's grace given to us through Jesus' death and resurrection, made real to us through the power of his Holy Spirit, sets us free from fear. It sets us free from anxiety. And so I want to return to the question this morning, are you living in true freedom? Are you living a life that is really, truly and actually free? Or have you somewhere along the line become a slave to legalism? Or are you living in a a situation of slavery to sin? Are you living in a situation of slavery to your flesh? Or are you living in a situation of slavery to fear and anxiety? Or are you living in in slavery to some other kind of slavery in your life? Slavery to illness or injury or or some other representation of, of slavery in your life? The question is not what kind of slavery are you living in ultimately, but are you living a life that's really, truly and actually free? Because through Jesus, God's grace has set us free from all kinds of slavery, including slavery to the law, including slavery to sin and to our selfish desires, including slavery to fear and anxiety. God has set us free. And so if if we're living in not absolute freedom this morning, then the scripture would point us towards two responses, I believe. And I think this is this is the situation of all of us. I don't think any of us are living in the fullness, the complete fullness of freedom that Jesus came to purchase. There is greater levels of freedom for each and every one of us, I believe. But but I believe the first response we would make um is shaped by that that verse I read earlier in in this message by Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 which says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery and so Jesus has set us free to be free and and so the call on us uh, is to stand firm diligently against all forms of slavery in our life to not accept slavery as the condition in which God intends for us to live. And so the first response we make towards uh, this idea of being really, truly and actually free is to, to simply choose to stand firm and live a life of freedom. To not settle for slavery. But the second response we make yeah, is shaped from another verse I read earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, that says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we stand firm in our freedom, but we also invite the Spirit of the Lord to come and manifest freedom in our life. Because wherever the Holy Spirit is, wherever he's manifesting in our life, wherever he's allowed to present himself and minister in our life, there will be freedom. The ministry of the Spirit will set us free indeed. 
And so this morning I, I want to finish and invite you to, to pray with me. If, if, if you desire greater levels of freedom in your life, whether it's from legalism, sin and selfishness or fear and anxiety or, or any other kind of slavery, if you desire greater levels of freedom through God's grace in your life, I, I want you to pray with me and invite the Holy Spirit to come afresh into your life. And to manifest freedom in your life. And perhaps you might like the Holy Spirit to invite the Holy Spirit to come and and show you areas of slavery in your life that you might be set free of. Because sometimes we're not aware of the levels of slavery or imprisonment that we're living in. But if you'd like greater levels of freedom in your life, I just invite you to pray with me now. In Jesus' name. And so Jesus, we, we thank you that you gave yourself on the cross for us. We thank you that you lived and died and rose again uh, to to purchase freedom for us on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that through your grace we are set really, truly, and actually free. And so we just invite the Holy Spirit to come now and reveal to us areas of slavery that are in our life, Lord. And we invite you to come, Holy Spirit, and manifest freedom in our life, that we would be really, truly, and actually free. In Jesus' name, amen.